Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Connect on blogtalkradio.com. Catch us on the web at umconnect.info. Welcome to this episode of Connect. I'm Michael Rich, the Web and Communications Manager for the Western North Carolina Conference. And today's guest is James Burroughs. He is serving as a pastor at St. Luke's United Methodist Church in Ashboro. Before that, he was an assistant at Pisgah United Methodist Church in Greensboro. And we're going to find out more about James and his call today. So welcome to the show, James. Thank you, Michael. I'm very excited to uh, to be here today with you. Well, it's good to have you here. And so uh, as we've talked, uh, 30 minutes doesn't go long, so we're going to move right into some questions. So uh, give us a little background. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Uh, you know, those kinds of things. Sure, sure. So I am from Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, I uh, have lived here all of my life in North Carolina. I am the son of uh, two wonderful parents, Maxine and James Burroughs Jr. They uh, lavished me with uh, so much attention as a as a child, uh, that they can, they really contributed to my formation in so many ways, my spiritual formation, my academic formation, just uh, my own personal development. Uh, as a kid, they enrolled me in piano, and that was really the, uh, the, the anchor point for me and for my involvement, actually, with the church. I soon began uh, playing as a pianist uh, for New Goshen United Methodist Church, which is my home church uh, mm. in Greensboro. And uh, after that, I went, uh, I completed high school and went to college and studied uh, molecular and structural biochemistry at NC State, Uh, did some research there, Uh, was fortunate to be published in a peer-reviewed journal, uh, Molecular Plant Pathology, with my uh, research in uh, uh, secondary metabolism. And then from there, I actually went on to work as a scientist, a regulatory scientist for a biotechnology company in Research Triangle Park. And uh, spent uh, years there. And uh, that's when God began tugging at my heart. And I uh, started to discern a call and moved back here to Greensboro. Okay. Now, I understand as a part of uh, your life, you also explored some other religions on your way back to Christ. And tell us about that story. Yeah, that's, you know, it's really interesting. My I, I kind of went uh, in a 360 circle. I I very much am appreciative of the pastors who have been in my life as a youth and as a child. They have excellent pastoral care. Oh, there are certain questions I had as a, as a child being inquisitive. Uh, you, the more I thought about the, the concept of the Trinity, the more confused I got. And particularly during adolescence, when we're going through identity development, we start to really question those things that we hold uh, to be true sort of as axioms. Uh, we start to question those and say, are these things really true? Uh, in high school, I was exposed. Uh, I did my first three. I did my first three years of high school at Grimsley, and I finished up at Middle College my last year. Uh, but at Grimsley, there was a considerably large Jewish community, hmm. and I remember hearing the simplicity of the faith as 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 expressed in the Shema, which is. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad, which is here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And for me, that that was that was really really radical, and it touched me in such a visceral way 
Because here in Christianity, we have this concept of, uh, of the Holy Trinity, which to me as a, as a young person made absolutely no sense initially. And here is this other concept of this singular God who is mm. transcendent yet eminent in the, in the, in the, in the life uh, of the community of Israel. So I began worshiping at Beth David Synagogue. I, you know, I'm blessed. My father would take me every Saturday morning and I would worship there. I would partake in the community and absolutely loved the, 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 that, the, the Shema and how, 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 simple that was, as well as the concept of tikkun olam, of, of making the world a, be- a better place. Mm. Um, the, these concepts of righteousness and justice, as we, as we read in um, the First Testament uh, or the Old Testament, uh, as we, uh, or Jewish people would call it Tanakh, Torah, Nibim, and Ketuvim, as we read the, the, the law, the prophets, and the writings, you see such a concern and such a bent toward social justice. And that absolutely captivated me. Um, mm. Sadly, I had to move away uh, when I went to NC State, and there wasn't such. The, I didn't find that same vibrant community uh, at NC State, and I actually found myself sort of on the on the outside, being an African American yet subscribing to a conservative Jew, uh, Jewish ideal. Uh, it was a, a, a little bit of a, a, a strange picture for many people who I who I encountered. And uh, ultimately, I found myself drifting away from that, and uh, I found myself attracted to to Islam, which actually is really similar to uh, Judaism in professing the singularity of of God, this 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 oneness of God, this transcendence of God. Uh, in Islam, there's a there's a similar creed. It's called the Shahada, uh, which is a, a a statement of faith, which essentially says that. Uh, that there is no God other than God. Um, the way that Muslims say it um, all around the world is la ilaha illallah. There is no God but God. Um, and that echoes what we find in the, uh, the Jewish tradition. So I actually spent the, my, my entire college career as a practicing Muslim. Uh, but hmm. what was missing was this con- concept and, of being the child of God. So in Islam, or I'm sorry, in Judaism, there's this concept of being God's chosen people, having a mission uh, to, to make the world a better place, uh, to bring about righteousness. In Islam, there's this concept of being God's servant, the uh, Abdullah Abid, which comes from the Arab, uh, Arabic word uh, slave, to being the slave mm-hmm. of God. And then I, I found myself missing the connection of parent-child, that nurturing, reconciling relationship. You know, that classic image that we think of, perhaps you've seen Rembrandt's painting of the prodigal son with the oh, father sure. bent over, extending his arms and, and welcome to his son. That concept I was missing and I longed for. And I didn't realize I longed for that until I took time away and moved back home to essentially uh, refine, to, to, to rediscover my call, to rediscover uh, what it is that God actually has for me. Uh, but from, a, from an ontological perspective, from a theological perspective, uh, when we look at categories of substance, it, which was really what uh, was behind my whole uh, difficulty with the Trinity, how can God be three and one? Uh, when we look at all of that, Islam and Judaism really offered the simplest explanation for me. And that's really what drove me to both of those religions. 
Mm. Uh, consequently, uh, I don't know if, if this is going to be one of your follow-up questions or not, but I'll, I'll add it really briefly. My study of thermodynamics and, and biochemistry helped me to finally understand uh, the Holy Trinity uh, from, a, from an ontological, from a substance, a categorical uh, perspective. And uh, I'd be happy to share that with you later if that's something that you'd like to hear about. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, my journey has been very diverse, but I am firmly grounded in Christianity and actually needed those experiences in Judaism and Islam to understand the beauty of both of those faiths, as well as to understand the uniqueness uh, of what is offered to us in the person of Jesus Christ, to understand mm. the, 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 what's unique and what's true and what, and what is universal about our, about our faith as Christians. And that's fascinating stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I would say of all the people that I've talked to, I've never met anybody who um, came from a United Methodist church, uh, went to Judaism, to Islam, and then came back. Uh, so that is a, a fascinating story. I love the fact that uh, uh, thermodynamics and that, that whole scientific <laughs> pursuit that you took uh, gave you the Trinity. And maybe we'll have some time to explore that because I do have a question in the second half of the show that, that may get to that. So, um, okay, great. How did you get to your call? How did, how did you end up doing what you're doing right now? That's a very good question. Uh, so, so with my degree uh, in biochemistry, there are so many options that are available at, I had actually uh, great opportunities uh, to do research. And because of my research, I was offered a fantastic job. Uh, as a 21-year-old, I was making uh, lots and lots of money. I lived in a very prestigious neighborhood uh, in a suburb of Raleigh. Um, and I, I, my, I found that my life was becoming consumed with material things. It was about pleasure. It was about accumulating things. It was about having money, being able to go uh, on a weekend, uh, on a day's notice on vacation out of the state or, or to take a, a flight here or there. And I recognized that I was putting more, I was gaining more and more uh, pleasure from things that really are empty and vain. And I recognized as I would lie in bed at night, you know, I, I, here I am in this prestigious community. Here I am with all of these accolades, and here I am with 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 these with these material possessions. But I here I am confused. Here I am uh, uh, lacking or missing some sort of connection. I know that there's something there, but I don't know what it is. You know, uh, Augustine says. Uh, 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 in, in this prayer to God and his confessions, uh, to paraphrase, basically our, our souls are restless until they find repose in thee, in God. And I had that restlessness. And that restlessness drove me to actually call my parents and say, Mom, Dad, I think I need to move home. I think I'm not doing what I'm called to do. There's just something mm -hmm. that's not right about going into the lab every day, working and managing these projects. Yes, it's, it's, it's kind of cool, but it's not fulfilling. Something's missing. There's this restlessness. And, you know, most parents would probably say, you are absolutely out of your mind. You are making more than we are making even right now. You need to just stay where you are. 
But th- thanks to the grace of God, my parents said, come home and find and find yourself. I immediately knew that if I was going to find any sort of uh, any sort of uh, rest, it would be found in the exact opposite of what I had been doing before. So I immediately started volunteering at the urban ministry, Greensboro Urban Ministry, uh, three and four times a week, feeding people who were often homeless or who just could not afford a meal. And coming face to face with these people, I recognized something that I had not recognized as a scientist living in Raleigh. And that is that it's not about what you do. It's not about what you make. It's not about your title. It's about the fact that all of us, each and every single one of us, is created in the Imago Dei, in the image of God. And each one of us is beloved. And, you know, I don't know how or what exact moment it was that I recognized that, but it was in the service of others that I did recognize that. And it was also in the service of others that I recognized and felt a true sense of rest and peace. Hmm. And I actually heard, not in an audible way, but in a way that transcends, that, that's ineffable, really. I felt God calling me, saying, your true rest, your true fulfillment, James, is in serving others as Christ has served and, as, and, and is in sharing, uh, sharing the gospel, not through words necessarily, but through your life. And I am blessed to now be able to share through words and through sacrament uh, the grace uh, to tell of the grace and to talk about the grace of God and to and to do what I know for a fact I am absolutely called to. And uh, Mike, my, my, since then, since finally taking that step of faith, I have I have been at rest. Um, and so I know that 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 this is my calling. And I am so thankful that God allowed me to 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 discern that at such an early age. Hmm. That is very cool. So if you were to describe your call in one or two words, this is something I ask everybody that comes on a call and vocation show. Um, how would you describe it in one or two words? Uh, first word would be reconciliation. Uh, hmm. And the second word would be uh, belovedness. Okay. Uh, I yes. like that. Uh, recon- reconciliation, because I believe that we're all, that, that God, when we look at, at God's uh, uh, so eminence within our world. So how is God, what's the telos of God? What's the end of God? What, what's, what is God moving us toward? We, we can see that God is moving us toward, toward this reconciliation. God is consistently reaching out toward us. It's God that's initiating this action. And we ought to, I believe, respond with gratitude and reciprocate. And we are allowed to respond. Our very response, in and of itself, is it, I believe, uh, is is, an, is, a, is a gift of grace. And so, mm-hmm. reconciliation is not just about being reconciled toward God, but it's about being reconciled toward each other. And I, in in my preaching and in my teaching, and and when I'm able to give talks to different groups, I constantly talk about the horizontal relationship. How, when we look at the cross, it's not just about the vertical. So the piety, you know, the worship, but it's also our, our faith is expressed in how we love and treat each other being reconciled. And then belovedness, because 
the same words that, that the father spoke over the son, this is my beloved child, my son, with mm. whom I am well pleased. As Omri Nowen would say in, in his book, uh, Life of the Beloved, God is speaking those same words over us. And in our world where we hear such negative negativity, so many negative images, so many uh, false images of what beauty is or, or, or what's to be valued, we often forget that God is speaking over each of us. You are my beloved child with whom I am well pleased. All right. We're going to take a break now, come back with some more questions, but um, this is fascinating stuff. So here now from our call and vocation team. Hello, I'm Jim Parsons, the chair of the Call and Vocation team for the Western North Carolina Conference. We are thrilled to partner with UM Connect to bring you some unique conversations in 2016. Our team is focused on cultivating a culture of call within our conference. For more about our work, please visit us at isgodcallingme.org. The United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina is a ministry of the church for the church whose mission is to build a church for generations to come. We fulfill this vision by investing in people, as well as helping churches and related institutions invest the financial resources that God has given to them. My name is David Snipes, and we look forward to the day when you give your United Methodist Foundation a call. And you can find out more about the United Methodist Foundation in Western North Carolina at the sponsor page on our show's website, which is umconnect.info. And so we're back with James Burroughs, and we had just heard his call story and um, fascinating stuff. So who are the folks that are influencing your call, and who are the people shaping your call right now? It's a, that's a great question, Mike, um, and I'm glad you answered that. I, I would be remiss if I did not say my mother and my father uh, have played the most seminal, monumental role in shaping my call. Uh, I've seen in the life of my father what it means to live a life of integrity. I've seen in my mother what it means to live a life of compassion from a ver- very early age. Though my parents are working class people, I've always seen them give, 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 uh, without question, without hesitation. And that really, as we were speaking earlier, that embodies for me what it means to be in relationship with others. To recognize that we all exist in the same, we have the same human condition, that we are all sisters and brothers, uh, that that we are all beloved. Uh, That means that my resources, if I have some available, I should share. And I've seen that modeled by my parents. Now, from a theological perspective, there are two people, uh, two theologians, uh, two historical figures that have had a tremendous impact on my life. Well, really three, but 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 two, I, I want to focus specifically on these two, and they are Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Henri Nouwen. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, as you know, was was a German who came uh, to America to study. He actually worshipped in the African American church, and he learned a lot there uh, with his experiences in learning uh, and worshiping with the African American community here in America, uh, in New York. And then uh, he made a conscious decision to go back to Germany, uh, even though the Nazis had uh, attained power and he spoke out vehemently against the, the, the Nazi regime and against now this, the, the, the German church 
which was supporting uh, Nazi politicians, uh, what's supporting this Nazi, uh, if you would call it theology, I wouldn't even call it theology, but, but this ideology that they were promulgating. Mm. He faced tremendous odds, and uh, ultimately uh, he actually conspired, was, was involved in a, a plot to assassinate Adolf Hitler, Hitler. Uh, but but later he was arrested uh, for his for his uh, for leading the, uh, the this confessing movement uh, of the of the church uh, that was sort of antithetical to what Hitler was all about, and uh, he ultimately was executed as a result of of standing for what was right. And the thing that Bonhoeffer said that really strikes me is that when Christ calls a man, and I'll add here a man or a woman. Uh, that that when Christ calls a person, Christ bids that person to come and die. Uh, that's what Bonhoeffer said, and mm. and I believe that is that is totally true. You know, we die to so many different things. For me, it was dying to this to this uh, to this um, this need to have to accumulate wealth, this need to have nice things, and dying to this need to to make myself happy and being born. To this, to this newness of living for others, giving to others. Again, that was modeled by my dad and my mother. And the other person is Henri Nouwen. The Henri Nouwen, as you know, is was a, a theologian, a psychologist. He worked uh, with a, a community uh, for uh, uh, people who were differently abled. Uh, and Henri Nouwen and, and his works, uh, some of them include Life of the Prodigal Son, uh, or I'm sorry, The Return of the Prodigal Son, The Life of the mm-hmm. Beloved. Um, another one is uh, the, uh, the Wounded Healer. Uh, in his work, he talks about the fact that people simply, particularly in his community with the differently able people, they simply want to know that they are loved. And I think that's at the heart of every person. This idea, this knowledge, this, this reaffirmation of not just divine belovedness, but 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 being beloved by someone else, um, and so I try to model my ministry on those two those two concepts on this concept that I am called to die to those things that hold me back from living completely selflessly, and I'm also called to share the love of God with with uh, to with others through my life, through my witness, through my ministry and service, and through what I say and do. And it's not something that I just uh, that I that I put on when I put on my collar, the church office, or on Sundays when I put on my alb, or when I or when I uh, celebrate Holy Communion. It's something that I'm called to do, 24 hours of each day, with my whole being. And this and 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 I'm a human. We're all we're all on a journey toward Christian perfection. So I get it wrong lots of the time. But mm. thanks be to God that that we have such a gracious God is constantly extending grace and forgiveness and love toward us, reminding us that we, despite those things that we do, despite those things that we think that make us somehow less than, we are still beloved. That that resonates with me, and I'm forever grateful uh, to Amri now and, and to uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, to my parents. And the third person I was going to say was uh, was uh, Martin Luther King Jr., of course. Uh, mm. But uh, but Amri Nouwen and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, most certainly. 
Okay. Now, you're serving right now as a local pastor at St. Luke's, uh, according to the conference database. Uh, where are you uh, in terms of theological education, those kinds of things? Great question. Thank you for asking. I am actually a student at Hood Theological Seminary, uh, which is a, uh, was founded by the African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church. Uh, it mm-hmm. is an ecumenical uh, or uh, interdenominational uh, seminary. So we have uh, professors who are from the Anglican tradition, from the United Methodist tradition. Interestingly, uh, at the last annual conference we had, uh, this is uh, uh, we we this is sort of bragging rights for Hood. Uh, we had the most amount of uh, of graduates become uh, the highest percentage actually when you compared our our numbers versus other graduate institutions actually be um, commissioned as uh, provisional elders. Uh, so so Hood offers a great uh, great learning environment. Uh, our president, Virgil Lattimore, uh, is uh, is an exceptional leader. He uh, is the first and only uh, uh, African-American uh, Brigadier General in the Air National Guard and Air Force Reserve. Uh, so he uh, he's a trailblazer. Uh, he has a, has a natural calling uh, for pastoral care, and that's evident in how he leads the institution. Uh, this semester, I am taking uh, a leave for this semester so that I can focus intentionally on uh, some parish work and some specific projects that we have that are community-based, and then I'll be returning in January uh, and finishing uh, in December with uh, my my coursework, and I'll be graduating the following uh, the following May. Okay, so. Um, still, still have uh, a bit of the process to go, but uh, I like the fact that you know you're probably one of the youngest second career um, pastors I've run into. Um, in the in the fact that you were young when you came out of college, went right to work, and then uh, settled back in as a uh, uh, as a clergy person and seminary and those kinds of things. So, um, tell me. Because uh, we don't have a lot of time left, but w- let's talk about that whole science thing again. How does that um, former career um, mm-hmm. influence what you're doing now? Yeah, thank you for asking me. I'm, I'm glad we were able to come back to this question. Uh, so, so science is very analytical. It's, a, it's about facts. How it's about quantifying things. Uh, right. It's very objective. Um, the scientific method, you know, we all learn about that in, in elementary school, and uh, it's very. I, I love science because it's very rational. Now, the, the thing that science has given me that it's given me a set of skills that allow me to look at a situation objectively. It allows me to look at theological information objectively. When we in uh, in seminary education. Um, uh, now, by the way, I, I, so I do have the majority of my credits completed, so I, 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 but I am taking time to complete the rest because I want to be intentional with, with the church. But I, I, I will say that 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 being in seminary, you have to have a, a, an ability to analyze information critically. Being mm-hmm. a scientist allowed me to do that. Now, from the just very briefly, the from the looking at water. So uh, you, we confess as Christians that uh, that that God, uh, that Jesus is of the same substance of the Father, 
uh, and the Holy Spirit uh, is of the same substance as the Father and Jesus. They're, they're all consubstantial of the same substance. We profess right. that. Uh, when we think about water, water uh, uh, molecularly is H2O. So that's two hydrogens that are bonded to an oxygen molecule. There are two sets of uh, uh, um, actually four, a total of four electrons, but two sets of uh, electrons on either uh, orbital of the uh, uh, of the uh, oxygen molecule that are free to associate. So we've got this dipole sort of. Uh, moment going, which is essentially means there's some electropositivity, electronegativity. Think of a magnet, right? So the hydrogens are positive. They're, they've got more. They've got more positivity with them. The oxygen is more electronegative. So naturally, the oxygen is going to want to associate with the hydrogen. So remember, it's all H2O. The only difference between the three phases, so solid, liquid, and gas, is the relationship between the molecules. So in gas, the molecules are are their their rotational and vibrational energy is so excited that and that there's so much room they're colliding very infrequently. Uh, they're just imagine them like uh, like a bunch of balloons that are that are going up into the air, a bunch of helium balloons. They, they, chances are they're not going to collide together, right? Now when we think about uh, when we think about water, it's more structured, right? So we've got more uh, of the uh, interaction, uh, those, those that that polarity interaction I was telling you about, uh, right. more of that structured interaction with water. So you've got more uh, oxygen molecules that are coordinated to a hydrogen that's actually bonded to another oxygen molecule. And then when we look at solid, uh, so, so again, that's a difference in relationship. It's a, it's, a, it's a different type of relationship than the gaseous relationship of the molecules. Then when we look at um, when we look at uh, uh, solid, we see that water actually forms a lattice structure that is very unique, and where each molecule is coordinated to another molecule of water, um, and so the relationship there is very different. Not only is there a, a, a intra relationship, but there is an inter relationship. Uh, so so what I mean by that is intramolecularly. There is a uh, uh, there is a particular relationship, but in how we interact with each of the the substances, there's an uh, there's also a different relationship. Now I don't want to I I will pause I I will throw this disclaimer out there. Uh, I don't want this to sound like modalism. So that uh, modalism, as we know, is is a is one of the heresies of our church. So that's not uh, that's one danger of this analogy. But uh, to explain it to kids uh, or those who are scientifically uh, trained, uh, this is the I've found that this has been the the easiest way to explain how God can be one substance yet three distinct persons. Um, but for us not to be polytheists but monotheists, um, and it's in the relationship. Someone once wrote that uh, it's about the divine community of God. And as we look at that loving, self-giving, divine community of God, we are also called to model that. So I, I, I love both of those analogies. And uh, it, 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 had it not been for the philosophy courses that I've taken, as well as uh, uh, the uh, thermodynamics and the chemistry courses, I may have not ever reached a, a place of comfort with understanding the Holy Trinity. But let me say this, this last thing. It is a holy mystery. There are things in our faith which are holy mysteries through faith, which is a gift of grace, 
that we're able to believe. And so, so there are some, th- I, I, that's not to say that there's a, I don't use that as a cop-out, as an intellectual cop-out to not learn about God. But what I do ultimately believe is that our, our minds are limited. God is limitless. So naturally, we are going to face limitations in understanding and conceptualizing God, our creator. No doubt about it. Well, I'm going to leave that as your last word, and we're just going to have to come back sometime and and, and ponder uh, some of the science and, and, and fate things again. So thanks for giving me well, time today. I would love man. to do that. Thank you yeah, so we'll much, Michael, and may God continue. May God continue to bless you in your in your role, and thank you for all of the work that you do for the conference and for the United Methodist Church. And I also want to thank Jim Parsons and all of those uh, who are involved with uh, IDK as well as the Calling uh, community. Uh, so telling them about call stories for uh, inviting me to participate. Oh, you're sure welcome. And thanks, everyone, for listening to us on Blog Talk Radio. The show is going to be available as a podcast on the Blog Talk Radio page and on the show's website and on iTunes. So keep up with the latest at umconnect.info. And we're going to be back next time with United Methodists and their stories. And here we go with the outro. Thanks to our sponsors, the Western North Carolina Conference and the United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina. You can find out more about them on the sponsors section of the website, umconnect.info. I'm Michael Rich. And you've been listening to Connect.